0: Welcome to the Braves Baseball Party, your home for the best Braves Baseball Talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here on Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Jake Mastriani. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or Enter promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. Now it is time to get the party started with the first pitch. So, Jake, the Braves put an end, finally, to the misery of the four-game losing streak. I say misery for Braves country, of course, by getting a 9-3 win against the Phillies last night. Man, with that outing, was Spencer Strider just what the doctor ordered?
1: He was. And I mean, that's kind of what I talked about in this four game skid. You you know, you were starting a rehabbing Kyle Wright, Jared Schuster, you know, Elder was okay. Morton was okay, but you weren't starting Spencer Strider. You weren't starting Max Fried. You know, those are your two guys when you're looking at going into the postseason. You want to do exactly what Strider did on, on that night. And you want to stop a streak. You want to begin one. You want them to get you going. And that's exactly what he did. And so that's what you're looking for here down the stretch. Obviously you clinch. You, you go to Miami and you know maybe you took the weekend off a little bit there. But uh, hopefully kind of getting back into the swing of things here down the stretch and playing more of that postseason type baseball and that mentality. But Spencer Strider, just what he's doing is incredible. It seems like it's been this thing all year long, though, where he's down Dominating, dominating, and then he runs into a three-run homer, and it kind of takes some of the shine off of his line a little bit. But uh, you know, don't take away from the fact that he's been one of the more dominating pitchers in all of baseball this year.
0: And there's yeah. two things you said, Jake, that I want to just yeah. piggyback on. First thing is the three-run home run, and and I love that you said that. Like, let's not take away from the fact that Spencer Strider pitched seven innings. Which, when we talk about the strategy that Brian Snicker has been implementing in hopes of keeping his pitching rotation, starting pitching rotation fresh and his bullpen fresh, mission accomplished, because then you only need A.J. Menter out there for an inning and Joe Jimenez out there for an inning. So I think it's great that you mentioned, hey, you know, don't take the shine off of what he was able to do just because he gave up the three-run home run to Bryce Harper. There were still 11 strikeouts, right? And that's still major, there were no walks. Right. So that's still a major thing as well. So I think that's one point that you made that I wanted to kind of uh, stop in and, and give some, some credence to, but, and I'll talk about the other one in a second, but go ahead. I think you wanted to chime in too.
1: Yeah. And the other part is he only threw 91 pitches. I mean, even with those yeah. 11 strikeouts, he only that threw 91 pitches. I mean, he probably could have gone another inning or two, no reason to push yeah. it with, you know, already the big lead and, and where we are in the season. So yeah, I thought it was much more efficient in this one as well, saving some of that bullpen, like you mentioned.
0: And Jarvis, one of the things that Jake mentioned as well that I thought was spot on was the fact that he said it felt like, you know, you're looking at what the Braves did over the weekend with the Marlins, kind of took off, he clinched the division or whatever. But last night kind of had that playoff atmosphere again, right? And it just felt like everybody kind of came in, including Spencer Strider, just being on one. And it like like we said, it was just with a doctor order because it felt like from the very first pitch, which I know we'll talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. in a second, but talk going back to the, the top of the frame, going back to the top of the first, it felt like Spencer Strider was setting the tone for a reset for the Braves last night.
2: And that's one thing I've admired about Spencer Strider. He's so cerebral when it comes to like he's so in tune as to you know what his body from his but from a body standpoint and just the whole analytics piece like you hear him talking about in the post game about hey i knew that i shouldn't have thrown that pitch or and like that immediate like correction that he has within his mind because he's been able to just navigate through it, you know, because we, we've seen him struggle throughout the season, right? But, you know, we the, the thing that we kind of pay attention to, like you, um, Jake uh, and you, Tanitra, you have pointed out as well, is the fact that the dude is still laying, mowing folks down when it comes to strikeout to the tuna where he's at 270 strikeouts. He just passed... Um, John, I mean, Phil Necro, Necro is on yeah. his way to pass John Smoltz. You know, I'm so I'm, I'm assuming that he's gonna. He um, only need six more strikeouts to to get the, the uh, team record. So, for him to be where he is right now and putting etching his name with, in the same conversations with Phil Necro and then. Through his first 50 starts, T 433 strikeouts. That's most That's in MLB history. That's so he, this guy's to be able to, to be able to establish himself like he is this early on in his career, basically, you know, I hate to minimize it like this, but only with only two pitches. You gotta say it's something special about this cat, and for him to get on the mound, like he said, like you love, you love for your pitchers to be streak stoppers, right? And for him to be on the mound like he did, it was just what the doctor ordered. And for him to be at 91 pitches with 11 strikeouts, like I am so excited for this one-two combination on come playoff time with him and he and Max Fried.
0: Yeah, yeah. And ownership, ownership of the Phillies. We always love to talk about how the the Braves own the Mets and the Braves own the Marlins. Well, we're going to say Strider might own the Phillies because literally seven straight wins against the Phillies, something that really hasn't been done since, check this out, 1921-22. Now that's taking it all the way back. But for someone to be able, for a pitcher to be able to have that kind of dominance over one team, I think that kind of is something that was hidden in there as well. And then the double-digit strikeouts. The 17th one of his career. I mean, we're talking about a guy who Jake didn't have a full season in his rookie season. Right. And and yet you, you're you doing things that are unmatched. You, you already have 11 of those coming in this season alone now that you've had a full season. So, yeah, I'd like to just think of what Jarvis said as well. Spencer Strider can reset for himself. Right. Ronald Acuna Jr. showed us last night. He can reset for himself a little uh, right calf tightness, kept him out a couple games. He came back one game, of course. I think this was like his second game back. And then we just see him. And, and before we start talking about some of the heroics around Ronald Acuna Jr. last night, Jake, I think the other piece is this. We talk about this being a pretty young team, right? And for this team to be able to kind of reset itself and not get bogged down into Overthinking, okay, we lost four straight, right? Or overthinking, hey, we got swept by the Marlins, but just saying, okay, yeah, well, we hit a wall, we'll reset and then we'll come back and we'll score nine runs and we'll keep it moving. I think that's something that could be critical, that mindset in such a young team headed into the postseason.
1: Yeah, and it's a young team, but it's it's very experienced. I mean, they've been in the postseason a lot here. So, I mean, I think that plays into it. And even in these past Mm -hmm. couple of years, I mean, you you look at last year, you get off to the slow start, but they still have the mentality. You know, they don't let it linger too much. You know, even Mm -hmm. with that slow start last year, you know, they'd have maybe a three-game winning streak. They wouldn't let it get to four. You know, they'd cut it off right there and get back on track. And I think that is just kind of that mentality where they're, they're very good at just moving to the next game and moving on. You have a bad one, you move on. And I think they've proven that over the last several years. I think Brian Snicker plays a big part in that as well and totally. his leadership. Yeah, so yeah. I think this team is very great at doing that.
0: I think so too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love what I see out of them going back to Brian Snicker, Jarvis, because that's something mm-hmm. that he talked about with – his usual even keeled nature, you know, it is, is very even keeled, but he talked right. about that after every loss, same energy that he had last night, like the energy does not change. And then even still looking deeper than even Spencer Strider or your bullpen or even Ronald Acuna Jr. He also talked about how you still have to have the bottom of the order doing its thing so that Ronald Acuna could have 100 RBI, if you will, in amongst all the 50 other stats that he kind of has going and, and going well. So, of course, came back last night and did his thing with a leadoff home run off the first pitch. The 33rd of his career, seventh this season, and then you think about the fact that he's just one homer away. From the vaunted forty seventy, people may have said months ago, 40-70, like nah, 40 home runs, 70 steals, not happening. But hey, on your bobblehead night, you get two home runs and you make sure that the world knows that no, if you want 40-70, you can get forty seventy. So I don't think it's a coincidence that the skid for the Braves stopped when Ronald Acuna Jr. was back at the plate. And I'm like, man, maybe bobblehead night should be every night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you talk about the fourth leadoff person to in MLB history to go hit for 100 RBIs. You know, who's was the third Mookie Betts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody want to talk about Mookie Betts being the MVP? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, that 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 the conversation is over. Uh, Bill Plaschke. Yeah. I'm putting a, I'm putting a, I'm putting a, a stamp on that right now. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the MVP of this uh, National League, and when you think about what he's been able to accomplish. It's just like, we hear about all of these firsts. First 30, 60 guy in MLB history. First 40, 40 guy since 2005 at Alfonso Soriano. So we know he's, he's right on the verge of, of, of doing that. So it's just so many things that he's been able to accomplish this year. And I got a chance to talk with Grant, who's gonna join us in a little bit. And he was talking about how like, a lot of times with football players, it takes them that second year after that injury to kind of get get into a groove. But I didn't... And that's what I was kind of expecting for Ronald Cunha Jr. coming into this season. But when you think about what he's been able to do, I didn't think he was going to be that good. As great as Ronald Cunha has been. The dude is better than he was before coming into this injury. And it's just... It's just been amazing. Jake, I don't know about you, man, but i just been amazed at this cat this year.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, you're talking about the injury he came off of, and last year just clearly wasn't himself. I mean, it was apparent Absolutely. to anybody who watched Ron Cooner Jr. It was not the Ron Cooner Jr. we're used to seeing, and some people wonder if he'd get back there. Well, as yeah. you said, he's gotten back there and even more. I, I mean, right. I, I didn't think he was going to get to 40 home runs. All year, he was pacing just under that, and then all of a sudden yep. it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the end of the season. Let me start launching home runs at an incredible <laughs> right. rate. I, I mean, right. the guy is just unbelievable unreal and he mm-hmm. takes those couple of games off of the calf injury he comes back last night five hard hit balls that's five balls over 95 miles per hour yeah. two of them leaving the yard i mean it's just mm-hmm. again he's just one of the best players if not the best player in all of baseball right now
0: He really is. And you talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. going deep. And you talk about that being the signature thing with the Braves. Well, you know who else is signature to the Braves? In addition to Jake, of course. And who's going deep? Our Grant McCauley. He'll be with us in just a minute. But first, Jarvis is going to tell us a little bit more about Bird Dogs.
2: Jarvis Davis here for bird dogs. Guess what, guys? Bird dogs make you look so, so good. You know how I know? Because I've worn them. I put them on for myself. And guess what, guys? They passed the big band test. Yes, the stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Guess what, guys? I've been losing my weight. And when I put on these bird dogs, oh my God, all the compliments that I got. Yeah, Jarvis, you looking good in those bird dogs. I was like, thank you. You should get you a pair as well because these things are absolutely amazing. They use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I was out at Falcons practice. I promise you, I was cool as a fan. So guess what? I want you to be cool, too. Here's how you can be cool. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. It's birddogs.com slash locked on. Enter the promo code locked on at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. So not only are you going to get the cool shorts, you're going to get a free water bottle as well. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you. Welcome in our own, my colleague, friend, confidant, a uh, guy I can trust to know everything, Braves Grant McCauley. He is our Locked On podcast host. He also is a contributor for our Locked On Braids with our own Jake Mastroianni as well. Grant, I got to start here, man. Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, th- you put out an interesting stat that I thought was very, very cool. He became the fourth leadoff um, lead hitter in MLB history to record 100 RBIs mm-hmm. right behind Mookie Betts and I bring up Mookie Betts for a reason so you know Bill Paschke put out that article about the race being over and the super flashy stats and you should vote for Mookie Betts but do you think people are going to take to that the national guys we know locally how everybody feels he should be the MVP but do you think the national media is going to kind of error on the side of Bill Plashkin saying hey we know stolen bases are cool but hey look at this guy Mookie Betts stats and he should be the MVP yeah,
3: there's been a little bit of the, you know, the stolen base numbers are inflated. And look, nobody's saying that the stolen base hasn't changed in 2023. That's kind of missing the point, though. And the interesting thing about the Plaski article, which I regret clicking on, but I did because I had right. to dig through it. Of course, yeah. is that He didn't really go into a whole lot of stats. It was basically like, well, wins above replacement belongs to Mookie. He plays multiple positions. And those things are true. But Ron Lacuna Jr. is right on his heels. And when you look at just the good old-fashioned counting stats, in addition to some of the bigger analytical stats, and just go take a look at the amount of red on Ron Lacuna Jr.'s baseball savant page, you start to see the true greatness of this guy. And if you've watched him every day, like I have, you can tell the greatness that is Ron Lacuna Jr. And let me just go ahead and point this out. It doesn't take away from Mookie Betts also being a great player. That's, I think, the plot's getting lost in all of this. Lots of guys have great seasons. Typically only one, with the exception of, I think, 1979, when there was a tie, only one of them ends up being the MVP. But putting all of that aside, what Ron Lacuna Jr. is doing, it's every single day you go through, he gets to another milestone, whether it's 200 hits, he's closing in on 140 runs scored. He's closing in on 70 stolen bases. He's about to become the fifth member of the 40-40 club with just one more home run in the next 11 games. Then you throw on top of that, most years he could be winning a batting title because he's batting almost 340. He's leading Major League Baseball in on-base percentage, and he has one of the best OPSs that you're going to find in all of baseball as well. And oh, by the way, somehow, amazingly, this guy cut his strikeout rate in half over the course of last season to this season. Everything that Ronald Acuna Jr. has done at the age of 25 just lets you know that this is a baseball superstar. That doesn't take away from anybody else's case, and I'm not even going to drop names at this point. But you just have to look at this greatness and I think appreciate it because we've never seen a season like Ronald Acuna Jr. is having. And that's why I think he's going to be able to get more than enough support to win the MVP award, despite the fact that other guys have great cases. They'll get their votes as well. I just feel like Ronald Acuna Jr.'s greatness is too much to be denied in one season. He is combining too many facets of the game that should not be
2: this easy for anyone. You know what? And I think that, like, it's just stat after stat after stat, and it just gets to a point where you're just like, all right, like, this conversation should have been over at some point. But, and I, and I think it, I really do think it is. But, you know, it just, I just found it interesting that Bill Plashkin wanted to take the time out just to say, hey, this dude has done something no one has ever done in Major League Baseball history, regardless of rules, reg- mm-hmm. regardless of size of bags and everything like that. And, don't pay attention to that. But just look at this stat right here. And this guy has played multiple positions. I just thought it was kind of weird. So, yeah, um, I'm with you on that, man. Ronald Cunha Jr. has done something that I thought has it, it, been is wonderful. It's been great to, to actually sit down and watch. But coming into the season, though, you know coming it's coming off injury and we know a lot of times with those knee injuries i know with football players it's that second year after that injury you know that, that 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 you look forward and say you really see how that person is you know uh they get back to where they the player that it used to be but mm-hmm. i just i did not see ronald Cunha jr coming back better than he was before he got hurt did you see this coming
3: I don't know that I could tell you that I saw this level coming. But as you know, if you follow me on social media, I was saying this is a 40-40 counter for this guy because the home runs are going to be back. And the home runs last year, he hit 15 of them. And that was one of the strangest things. But you could tell that that leg was still an issue for him, I think, both physically and also mentally. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't really, I think, discount either of those two things. But as I've talked to Ronald a handful of times this year, the thing he has told me is, look, All of these other things are a byproduct of me feeling 100% healthy. When I feel healthy, I'm able to play the game the way I want to. And you can tell how he likes to play the game. I mean, he loves the opportunity to just make an impact and he does it. And I asked him, how do you cut down your strikeouts like this? I mean, is there something in particular that you worked on? And he said, honestly, I'm more aggressive now. I just don't want to miss my pitch. And that's a pretty crazy thing to think about a hitter that can be that aggressive, but he doesn't walk a ton, so I guess there's a point in all of that, but whatever he's doing, it's working, and, and that's the biggest thing. His buddy, Ozzy Albies, has been his hype man for a long time. He said he expected Ronald to be better than he was in 2019 when he was three stolen bases away from 40-40, and Ozzy Albies, who am I to disagree with a guy that's had a, a front-row seat for the Ronald Acuna Jr. show for a number of years? Those guys were right. I expected it to be a run at 40-40. And that could culminate as soon as, you know, Wednesday's game against the Philadelphia Phillies. But sometime soon, I would imagine, this has been above and beyond, I think, what anybody
2: could have realistically expected. And the bar was already pretty high. Speaking of expectations, how about Max Free Coming out, ever since he's come back from the injury, he's just been lights out. Barring the, you know, the uh, little blister, um, or they kind of, you know, sat him down for, take him out of the game um, uh, against the Phillies, you know, and ha- dealing with that particular injury. So, just how Max Free has been able to weather wave wave through the waters, I guess if I want to use that analogy, how can you? How do you feel like he's been able to do that? And like just given how he's performed since he come back off an of injury, because we know that you know probably in the back of his mind he's start starting to think about that contract situation.
3: Yeah, maybe I, I don't. I think Max is pretty good, and, and most guys have to be about putting aside, you know, looking through numbers. Like Ron Lacuna Jr. doesn't spend a lot of time doing that. If you're a player, there's a time to look over your contract status and situation. And clearly the agent is hired for a reason to, I think, take the brunt of all of that and figure those things out. But for Max, it was about getting himself back on the mound and being able to be part of what was really shaping up to be a special season. Despite the fact you didn't have one of your ace starting pitchers, really two of your top starting pitchers throughout the course of the season. But Max, I feel like was the guy that kind of sets the tone for the rotation and sets it in the way that it needs to be for the postseason. Uh, we heard from him on Tuesday. He's dealt with the blisters in the past, but it was really more so when he was in the minor leagues and his prospect status and maybe a little bit in 2018 when he first came to the majors. But it had been a long time since Max Fried and blister had been mentioned in the same sentence. But he said, look, it was something that was starting to work its way up. With the timeline we have right now, there is no take two or three weeks off to let a blister heal. You want to be able to you know, not miss any time and be available to your team for the most important innings you're going to throw. He says they caught it early on. He was able to protect it a little bit, do some throwing. He threw a bullpen session, though, on Monday and did not have to use anything on the finger. It is healed to the point that he needs it to. It's the left index finger that typically works up that blister. He said he's dealt with some little intermittent things before. If it was a postseason start, he would have kept going. But it's just one of those things that the Braves have put themselves in a position to take it easy here over the final couple of weeks. If somebody has something that needs to be dealt with because they've already handled the business of punching their ticket to the postseason, clenching the national league East and getting home field advantage, at least in the first round with probably more to come.
2: And, and I, I I'm sure that, you know, that I'm expecting Max Fried to be Max free, be the ACE of the staff that he's, that he's been ever since he come back. And and speaking of, I want to talk about uh, Spencer Strider for a little bit. Um <sighs> Like we use a lot of superlatives when when speaking about Ronald Acuna Jr. and obviously with Max Fried as well, but like Spencer Strider, it's just something about him that I I I can't quite put my finger on. I know strikeouts, fastball, and all that stuff, and just just being so cerebral and and how he I mean, interviews and everything like that. But do you think that Spencer Strider has done enough to be able to warrant a Cy Young um, this year?
3: Yeah, I expect him to be in the top three, if not the top two at worst. And, you know, the real thing that you look at, I think, with Spencer Strider is the level of domination that he has. And, and really, if there's any been, if there's been one common thread in 2023 that might kind of undermine his case, he's been a little bit more home run prone. And that has been a thing that we've seen time and again, that even when he has a, a great start and the Braves win that game, there seems to be, hey, there's that two-run homer that kind of ruined his stat line, or that three-run homer. I mean, it happened against the Phillies in his most recent outing. Bryce Harper snuck one out over the right field wall on a changeup. If you ask Spencer Strider, he might say, well, shouldn't have thrown that changeup, should have challenged him with a fastball, should have looked to put him away in a different fashion. But that's the hindsight that comes with pitching, with baseball, with all the sports, and probably with life as well. But Spencer Strider is, I I think, the, the prototypical power pitcher. If you were to just say, what kind of pitcher do I want to build to have on my staff, to run through the regular season and through October, you'd want a guy that racks up strikeouts nearly 14 per nine. He's at 270 on the season, and he's doing that you know, in less than 200 innings, which is just boggles the mind to think about that because typically when you saw the 300 strikeout guys, and I looked them up, a bunch of them last night, usually 220, 230 innings for the lower level 300 strikeout guys. The ones like Nolan Ryan that threw 300-plus innings, well, you can tell how they got there, but also had great stuff. But Spencer Strider is the kind of strikeout pitcher that you don't see too terribly often, so that's going to garner a lot of attention. But I would also look at the fact that when he's on the mound, the Braves win about 80% of the time. That, I think, is something that you want to call, even if you put pitcher wins aside, is a hallmark of the kind of pitcher that's going to get Cy Young consideration. A lot of the, the advanced, the expected stats really speak to Spencer Strider's dominance, but it really has just been the home run ball that from time to time has kind of blown up a couple of lines and maybe taken him from a guy that should have an ERA around 2.7 or 2.8 to a guy that's pushing around the 3.5 mark. And that might be something that old-school voters look at. I know ERA and pitcher wins are not the end-all, be-all for pitcher statistics and evaluation in 2023, but they do carry a little bit of weight, and you don't see too many Cy Young winners that are able to pull that off with an ERA well north of 3. But you also are talking about the Major League Strikeout leader, a guy that's going to set some franchise history, and a guy that dominates lineup. So it's going to be an interesting vote. I'm not sure who's going to come out on top. Maybe Justin Steele of the Cubs, maybe somebody else. It could be a case to be made for Blake Snell, for Zach Gallon. But Spencer Strider is
2: the top five for sure. For sure. And last one, I want to get you out on this one. How does one put together a quiet 52 home runs, 130 RB, RBIs, and a 609 slugger percentage. How does one put together a quiet season like yeah, that? I think,
3: I think we'd have to ask Matt Olson how exactly you do that. Because <laughs> right. years, we'd be talking about an MVP case that was being written about day in and day out. But on a club that has one of the you know the premier superstars in all of baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, Matt Olson has kind of taken a back seat to that, but I'll tell you this: I don't think Matt Olson minds that, and I'm not sure that Ronald Me either. Jr. I'm with you. Baby. Is too concerned about where where he finishes in the MVP voting either, for that matter. You know, there's a lot of focus on this team about where they want to go collectively, and Matt Olson has said, "My success this year is a byproduct of a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top setting the tone for this order. The guys like Austin Riley, I mean, Marcelo Zuna, the protection he has now in the middle of the order as well." A lot of guys, they look at it up and down. Matt said, I just I don't feel the pressure to be the one RBI guy in this lineup because lots of guys can get it done one through nine. So I think being able to relax, being settled in here more in Atlanta in the second year, and just having one of the best home run swings that you're going to find in all of baseball is how you do the things that he's done this year. But even Matt, I think growing up a, a kid, watching the Atlanta Braves and, and being an Atlanta metro area native, probably didn't see himself
2: setting the franchise home run record, but that's exactly what he's done. Grant McCauley, man. Thanks for your time my friend. You got it coming up next. We will take a look ahead and we'll keep the party going.
0: All right, guys, who does not love a seventh inning stretch? And for us, that means a look ahead to what the Braves have coming up down the road. Now, what do the Braves need to do to win tonight, Jake, win this current series against the Phillies? And of course, that means also winning the series season series against their division rival.
1: Yeah, got to get a good start from Bryce Elder and obviously, you know, a little bit rough beginning for him there, but uh, you know, get going. He's obviously going to be a big part of that postseason rotation, I believe, especially if Kyle Wright can't make his way fully back as he gets going. So uh, looking for Bryce Elder, you know, to just kind of be who he's been most of the year. I know he had a little bit of skid there in the, the middle, but uh, he has been you know, great and for the majority of the season for the Braves and uh, that offense, you know, just getting going and doing what they do. So and hopefully Acuna getting to 40 homer Runs. But I think the bigger thing for me is just Bryce Elder. What does he look like here down the stretch? How much confidence do you have in him if he does start, you know, game four
2: of a postseason series? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think that, you know, for the Braves to be able to really establish that, like, I think that fourth, that fourth start, you know, I think that's a very important, you know, Jake I think that was a very important point it just brought up because I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, a Brian Snicker handle that, handles that. And To be honest with you, I've been pretty Right with the decisions that Brian Snicker has been able to make over the years. I know in the beginning it was a little shaky, you know, about you know when to pull someone, you know, or when to uh, take someone out or, or keep them in the game. But I think as of late, like obviously he's just been on a roll when it comes to getting a really good feel for his players. So, you know, Bryce Elder, I think he needs to uh, to, to have a good performance, you know, to be able to continue to say, hey, I want to be a part of this rotation. Y'all don't need to shorten it up, you know what I'm saying? I could be that guy that can come in for you. Hey, if it's 3-0, I can close this bad boy out and take us to the next round. So I, I think that Bryce Elder needs to have a good showing in order to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, and this is the perfect time for... Sort of that. And I know Brian Snickers said not so much evaluation, Jake, but sort of the perfect time for us to see, okay, is Bryce Elder continuing to trend up, right? Is Charlie Morton going to be able to shake off a couple of shaky stars, no pun intended, kind of continuing to see where Kyle Wright is as you approach the postseason to ensure that you know, okay, where does he kind of fit in the general scheme of things? And then, of course, you have the positives in terms of the bullpen, getting Jesse Chavez back, and just some of those little pieces of the puzzle that are starting to make sense. I know sometimes Braves country might get a little shaky, like with the Kyle Wright starts. like, oh, gosh, you know, what's going on? Is, Is he really ready? Is he really back? But I think ultimately and we'll talk about this in a second. But I think ultimately it's because Brian Snicker has his mind on the bigger picture and trying to weave into that bigger picture of the postseason, the last couple of weeks of the regular season and how that's going to set the Braves up for success.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean that's what really these last week and a half, and this week 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 and a half is for. And the Braves afforded them this opportunity because they got such a big lead and clinched so early is to you know see what you have with these guys down the stretch and who you can trust. I mean a guy like Charlie Morton, he's 39, he's been through it all. I think you know kind of what he is at this yeah. point. He can be mm-hmm. very dominant one outing, or he can be, as you said, shaky as well. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of who he is. But for Bryce Elder, a guy who maybe hasn't been there as much in the postseason situation, I think these are some big starts for him to prove that you can trust him and then as for Kyle Wright you know just getting him stretched out and getting him back to the guy he was before I mean that's what you have in these last couple of weeks and those last bullpen spots I mean most of the main guys are, are locked up you know who they're going to be at this point but can Jesse Chavez get back into form you got Nick Anderson calling the on rehab assignments right now that could be part of that equation as well how are you about the back of that bullpen could be very important for this Braves team. So that's really what you're watching here down the stretch. I would imagine over the weekend in, in Washington, you're probably going to see some starters take some days off and get them mm-hmm. some rest. That's part of this too. But yeah, for those last couple of spots you have that you're looking for, you know, those that's what you're watching for here down the stretch. See how those guys perform and whether or not you really can trust them in the postseason.
0: Yeah, and Jarvis, that's the question that I wanted to ask you guys as well because to Jake's point, You've got the Nats twice, home and away. So that's a pretty good look in this last week and a half. Also the Cubs to wrap their regular season. And I wonder how important it is for the Braves to ensure they get home field advantage throughout the postseason. We know that they've wrapped everything up as far as the NLDS is concerned, but – Is it merely enough that they've clinched that or is this last week and a half also going to be about maybe getting to a point in place where you know for sure that even if it comes down to the NLCS where you're facing off with the Dodgers or you get to the World Series and you're facing off with the Orioles or even the Rays, what is it ultimately that we're looking for the Braves to do? And I guess the real question is, are we okay if somehow they don't, land at the top which is where they are now and the Dodgers and or the Orioles overtake them or do we feel like hey this also needs to be a week and a half where they push to keep that number one overall
2: spot? I skew towards keeping that number one overall spot spot because the Braves have been playing really good baseball at home at Truist Park and I think that for a team that have to come in and and face this lineup four times in a seven-game series. I I I'll put my money on the Braves, like because they've been that lineup. And they've been able to, you know, be murderous role the 2023 version you know uh for for most of the season so I, I think that you know I think they're going to get try to push for that and I think it all starts with Max Free, you know um in, in the beginning of this series because dude has been lights out since he come since he has come back like he's been on ERA under three a 2.96 so and just being able to just really be the guy that the ace that we we know you know and and I think that that's and and that's where i'm I am with it like it's all about making sure your guys your go-to guys like the, the ace special Strider you know like I said Charlie Morton, you know Uncle Charlie be be a little shaky some from time to time, but like I said you you hope that you know Uncle Ch- playoff Uncle Charlie will be around once those things get rolling. so once you get those guys situated and I think like all of the other guys are falling in place like you mentioned the bullpen. And obviously, you know, Rossell Iglesias, you know, hey, either you're with them or you're against them. So, and, and they, Rossell Iglesias has been having a lot of people on his side as of late. So, I, I think that that's kind of where I am with it. Making sure that your guys that you know you have to count on, making sure those guys are okay. And I think that starts with Max Reed. Yeah.
0: And, Jake, how do you see sort of This balancing out. Do you skew as well towards, hey, Braves, do what you have to do to ensure that you get that number one overall spot uh, throughout the postseason? Or is it more of, hey, if you can get that and rest your guys and make sure that you get the chance to evaluate your pitching rotation, If you can do those two things at the same time, then we're all good.
1: Yeah, I, I, would, I would lean towards the latter. I, I think it is obviously important to get that that first seed, if you can, mm-hmm. to guarantee home field. Look, that only comes into play if you face the Dodgers in the NLCS or if you face Indeed. the Orioles in the yeah. World Series. So <laughs> I, I think the biggest part is just staying healthy uh, down mm-hmm. the stretch. Well, the Braves went to Dodger Stadium not long ago, won a three out of four. They went to Philly yes. when they clinched the division and won three out of four. They can win on the road. This team's that good, but you yeah. know, would I rather have more home games? Yeah, absolutely, if you can help it.
0: Yeah, and you're also, but the bottom line is, like you said, with so many challenges, with injuries, the pitching, starting pitching rotation into the bullpen. Ultimately speaking, health is indeed the thing. Now, our weekly Braves show is not where this party stops. Locked On has you covered every game with our Braves postcast, and you can see Jake again and again and again. So, and that's a good look for him, and of course, Grant McCauley. So, be sure to check that out on our Locked On Sports Atlanta channel on YouTube. We appreciate you guys stopping by the Braves baseball party, and no fear, You'll see us again next week.